Well, you all made it. You made it. <laughs> um, well, this uh, this whole week, really, we've just been, there's been so much going on. I hope you had a great Christmas. Did everyone have a good Christmas? Yeah, it's just been, you know, family and here and there and busy and really wonderful time. So if, if that wasn't you, though, I just pray the blessing of God on you in the last few days of 2019. And I love that word that Aaron had for 2020. Um, things are shifting. How many of you are expecting something new in the decade? Yeah? yeah. Amen. Well, we have some special guests with us today. Why, why are you waving at me? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I'd make sure I didn't miss something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have some special guests today. Did you guys enjoy the bass that was being played today? Hasta, would you just stand up and wave? <laughs> Hasse is a friend of ours from Belgium, um, the, the church, uh, Rick and Sabine's church, the Lighthouse Church that Tim and I have taken teams to. We've been there three times now. Um, we've met Hasse there all three times, and she's a student at BSSM in Reading and um, wasn't able to go home for Christmas, so we invited her to come here be with us. So um, we uh, just wanted her. So that's, that's the base from our house that I use for decoration. I didn't even know she played, so we s- stuck it in her hand, and here we are. So it was fun. So so um, we just welcome new anointings uh, to be played. Uh, and also, we have Kelly Bones. Kelly, would you go ahead and come up? <laughs> Kelly is our very own missionary. Um, our very own. I mean, other people claim you too, I'm sure. <laughs> but she works for the Jesus Project and is stationed um, in Orlando. But she goes out and takes teams uh, throughout the year and shows the Jesus film, particularly to unreached people groups. They really focus on the 1040 window and the unreached. So how many of you have been on a trip with Kelly? There's a few. I know they're there. Yay. <laughs> and we have a few others that are out of town today. But uh, we asked Kelly to come share because she's in town for the holidays, but we asked her to come share today. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you. Oh, well, it feels so good to be here. Um, I was definitely brought out to the mission field through this church. So thank you guys for all that you do. Um, so powerful. But it's kind of crazy to think about this whole last year um, and what God has been doing. I've had the privilege of going to six different countries, and every single one of them, it's really hard soil. Um, you're introducing Jesus to people who've never even heard of his name before, um, or have just heard rumors about him and, and they're usually false. Um, so it's, it's really insane to even be amidst of so many believers who are so on fire and, and just ready to, to serve Jesus. Um, I think of Honestly, the people in Southeast Asia that Daniela Conway and I got to go and see, and just particularly this girl who, you know, was so hungry just to even feel loved and so hungry to to want to be seen. And we were able to be in a park um, that was really dark, and um, we were going and sharing there, and this girl um, just stood out to one of my friends. And she was able to start talking to her and hearing about how her mom had been married off to, to some other person and her sister had been married off and she was alone. And she started sharing about how she'd been bullied over and over and over again. 
And my friend started sharing with her and um, praying over all the pain and all the hurt that was happening in her life. And as this is going on and she's sharing the gospel and this girl's wanting to pray to receive Christ and wanting to accept Christ, all of a sudden just a crowd of men are surrounding them and starting to, to yell profanity and, and starting to tell, no, you can't, you can't follow Jesus. You are a Muslim. There's no way that you can follow Jesus. And bullying her, you're stupid. Don't talk to her. She's stupid. She won't understand you. After getting out of the crowd, after getting away as this girl is really upset, my friend is trying to figure out, how can I get back to the Lord? How can I get back to exactly where she was um, when she was wanting to just even pray to receive Christ? And they started bringing up how another, another young boy had been healed, his foot had been healed. And they stopped, she's, the little girl stopped her right in the midst of the story and said, you know, that guy, that boy, he, his foot got healed. But when you prayed for me, Jesus healed my heart. And this is in the midst of such a dark, dark, dark park where prostitution is, being, is going on and, and just the spiritual atmosphere was just so oppressive. And it's crazy going to all these different places and seeing the reality of you know, what we call the 1040 window, where it's the, the least, last, and lost, where the church is truly not. But yet meeting so many believers who are so just, well, actually not a lot of believers, which is sad, um, but every single one of them has just this passion in a heart to actually want to go and share, where they're being persecuted, where they're, like, their families have disowned them. And it's so incredible to be able to take these trips and to introduce people to the reality that there is the, the least of these. That whenever Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful but the labors are few, it's true. But God is moving. He is stirring up the church. I mean, it is insane to just even have the privilege to look at the glimpse of, of what God's doing with bringing so many organizations, parachurches, big churches. Everyone's coming together right now, right now guys. Like, 2020 is, is really, truly a, a marker to go. But at the same time, I loved that gentleman's word of just even the breakthrough that he's wanting to do in our hearts. And I don't know, as I was praying, I kept on hearing just this, um, almost like this us and them mentality. And I don't, I feel like it's over just like someone specifically here. But I really do, I know and I believe that this church is there's so much fruit here, and it's meant to go. We're meant to go and sow those seeds. And so just even praying into, the, honestly, the lie that, oh, I can't go. Like, that's, that's them, not me. But there are, there are people here in this congregation, whether it's going out to that, those hard places or simply going to your neighbor. Um, I just felt a really, really big burden to even just challenge you guys. What does it look like to sow into the kingdom, whether it's prayerfully, whether you're on your knees literally praying for those people who are being persecuted, or whether it's to give or whether to go. Um, but I just wanted to share that God is moving in these hard places, and it's incredible to be a witness of. And if you want to come with me, I would love to take anyone who wants to go. So thank you guys for everything. Let's just, <laughs> uh, let's just pray. I want to pray over Kelly and 
I just want to bless her and sow into her. She's looking for monthly partners, you guys. If anybody would like to sow in to the places that she's going, maybe you don't feel that you can physically go. You can give and go that way. Um, but also, we want you to go if you can. <laughs> we love missions. We believe in missions. We believe in sowing into the nations that we will reap harvest in every other area. But let's just bless Kelly. We thank you for this ambassador this ambassador of heaven that we have the privilege and the honor to be connected with, that we can sow into her, God, and send her into the nations, into those places that don't know you, that have never heard your name, God. We just pray for anointing, particularly in this next year over Kelly. We we pray that the anointing of evangelism, the spirit of evangelism would rest upon her that people couldn't help but run to her and ask, what must I do to be saved? We just say salvation is upon you, Kelly, and you will carry salvation everywhere that you go, that Jesus, the king of the world, the king of the nations, would be with you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We bless you. Amen. Thank you, God. Hey, Kelly, I just when you were talking, I just heard this interesting phrase that, I heard the Lord say that you're like Judas Maccabees, which is someone actually that was in the in between the two covenants, and uh, he was known as the Hammer. That was actually what they that was his not just his nickname. It's actually what they would yell when they were going forward that they were going to take the hammer. And I just felt like the Lord just told me that He's putting a hammer in your hand, and it's 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 going to be easier. It's going to be easier because because the hammer is going to break up what yeah, looks right. like hard ground, but it's a it's a thin shell. Yes, it's a thin yes, shell yes, over yes. over good land. Yes, yes. And the Lord just says, I'm, "I'm actually giving it to you in your mouth. I'm putting it in your mouth, and it's gonna it's gonna be easy for you actually to make declaration over nations, and they're ready when you get there." And, and, and instead of dark, it will be light. Instead of hard, it will be easy. And instead of fruitless, it will be fruitful. Yes. And so the Lord just says there's an anointing coming on you to call things that are not as though they were, yes. Yes. as though they are. And so we just, we bless you, the hammer, the hammer. We say, go be the hammer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you just see Kelly, Kelly, where will you be at the end? Where would you like to be? <laughs> so, why don't you go to the Go Missions table? Yeah, go to the Missions table. This is our ministry highlight day and, and be over there. And if you would like to sew in to her, we, I want you to see her directly. Is that all right? All right, she will give you information, too, about monthly support. One other thing that we're going to pray for, and then Tim is going to come up, but... Um, I don't know how many of you have been watching the news, but Australia, there's a lot of fire, wildfire going on in Australia right now. And um, our dear friends um, have just been evacuated. Um, the fire is not near their home yet, but they, they had to evacuate, you know, because it could be heading that way. But I just want to prophesy over that nation that, that there would be rain. First of all, this is the beginning of summer, and, and that's not, this is not a good start. <laughs> we need to, water to just fall over that land. Will you join me? Just stand up, and let's just pray. 
Remember that in the word, God gave us dominion over the earth. Do you remember that? And I would like to use that dominion and that power that we have and to to speak, uh, first of all, for the winds to shift and stop, for the rain to come, all right, and anything else you feel. I just want to, I'm just going to let you loose and we're going to pray out loud together, but just use your dominion and we just speak over that nation right now. One, two, three, go. (laughs) Yeah, we just say fire stop. We just release the rain of heaven. We just say, open up. Skies open up. Skies open up. Open up. We just say no to wildfires. I think you can do better than that. Let me hear you. Just raise your voices. These people's lives and their homes are being affected right now. Yes, God, we just... God, yes, God. Yeah, we just say, let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. They're saying a third of Sydney could be affected by fire. Think about that. A city twice the size of San Antonio could be affected by fire. You know, if we're going to be a global people, then we have to be willing to go after it for people that we don't even know. Like, that's, that's the mark of a prophetic people, is what's, what's God saying and doing and, and pursuing that. So, all right. Well, we're doing pretty good on time. I was not expecting that. So, yeah, well, I'm going to do something family first here, so... Not just my family, but your guys' family. So I'm going to ask Timothy and Hannah to just come and stand right here. These two guys are getting married. Deb, you got to... Look at that. I just saw Jack Bynum. Awesome. So... But I just, I just heard this, that the Lord just told me that it's, it's a perfect fitting. And that the strength that's going to come, it's, it's, it's not one in one, but it's kingdom math. One in one make 10,000. <laughs> and so we, we just say, one can put a thousand to flight, but two, 10,000. And so we, we just bless you as family now. We bless you as the body of Christ, your, your, your family. But we just declare that kingdom purpose and destiny. We declare that these next months of engagement begin to show your destinies together. What it looks like to be powerful together. What it looks like to release the kingdom together. So we just bless you. And as dad, I just say I'm proud of you. I love you. Amen. All right. We got a whole bunch of people getting married around here. And I know there's another one, but I'm going to do that when I have a picture. So, um, but here's what I want to do. I, 
I don't often share the process of how the Lord speaks to me about where we're going on Sunday, but on early in the month, I'm I'm praying about weeks in advance where we're going, what we're saying, and and uh, honestly, I had something kind of developed. <laughs> no, Damaris, Damaris is back there giving me hand signals, but but actually, I'm going to about to talk about you, so my bad, but. Uh, I had actually planned on talking a little bit about something that Damaris actually shared in the offering today about sowing into the now season for what God wants to do into 2020. But I actually think she did a great job covering that. And so I want to tell you, that's not just about money. Dig into that next season. Even in these next few days, God, what are you doing in me? And dig in in gratefulness. I think a lot of times we forget that a large portion of our digging into the next season is how grateful we can be in this now season. And so, but I I just felt like the Lord had just told me December 29th, just kind of leave open and we'll see what we want to do. And so, I'm just telling you my process a little bit. And so, when it gets closer, if you've never done much public speaking, you really want to know what to say. You know, like it's a disaster, like when it's coming and you're like, okay, God, like, cool, December 29th, still sitting there and you haven't said anything about it. And he said, I've said plenty, you're just not allowed to share it. And I'm like, right. And so um, on Christmas Eve, I got here a little bit early and y'all know I had six minutes. I made it, by the way, on Christmas Eve, six minutes. Everyone says it was impossible. I did it. And, um, but only because I'm going to share the rest of the story today. Actually, when I was studying about Emmanuel, God with us, something began to rise up in me that we have not done this scripture justice when we look at this idea of God with us. And, it, it, and we, yeah, we often share it in the context of Christmas and Emmanuel, God with us, and the promise, and, and all of that is so true. But then what is the next piece of what does it look like when God is with us? What does it look like when the promise of Emmanuel is manifest in our lives right now? Not 2,000 years ago, not just a promise, or not just some hope and dream of heaven one day, but I'm talking about the very manifest presence of now God with us. What's it look like? What's it established? What's it... Because those are questions for me, because I, under, I understand. Let's just read the scripture, Matthew 1, 23. Let's just do 22. It says, all this took to place to fulfill what God had said through the prophet. God's about fulfilling his word, guys. He's about fulfilling your words, words you have. He wants to make sure that you know He will fulfill them. It says the virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what I'm going to do today is the non-Christmas Eve edition of Matthew 1.23. What does it look like for God to be with us. Well, I, I believe that this actual, this verse is, is doing three things. It's doing, an, it's an announcement, it's an invita- invitation, and it's a declaration. It's an announcement of, hey, there's a new way of living, and it's God with us. 
It's a new way of living. It's not just an idea anymore of a religion or a religious system that had been built. That's what, what was going on. The Jews had built a religious system that could function without God. Could function without His presence. How many know that God never intended any type of religion on earth without His presence? He, he intended people to be in communion with Him. It was, an, it was an announcement that there's a new way of living. No longer a distant God. God in heaven, man on earth. It was God with man. Oh, and by the way, it was also for all. It was for everyone. It was an announcement that, hey, no longer does the, the high priest, only one who gets to experience the presence of God once a year. This is now an invitation for everyone. You all get to come and experience me. And, and I'm going to talk about the presence of the Lord a lot this morning. And I, I really want to take it away from just this place of like, oh, the presence of the Lord was strong. I want to talk about Him being present with you all the time. Yes? Because sometimes we're like, well, I just didn't feel the presence very strong. Like, whoa, he's with you. That's just your receptors. That's not a God problem. Like, he's with you because he already made an announcement. God with us. And if you have committed your life to him, I want to tell you, he's with you. The second thing that it was, it was an invitation. It was an invitation to experience the Father in a new way. Generation after generation after generation had been taught really about an angry father that we had to appease with the blood of bulls and goats, right? That really he was upset and, and this was the only way. And that was the exact opposite. He was full of love and he was just revealing that there had to be a sacrifice and that sacrifice was Jesus. But it's an invitation. This verse is an invitation to your life. Experience Him personally for you. How do you do that? You can experience Him in this room personally as well as corporately. You can experience Him in your car, in your, in your shower, at your workplace. There's nowhere off limits if God is with you. And this was an invitation for God to be experienced. The last thing that it was is it was a declaration. It was a declaration to our enemy that his reign was over. It was a declaration that, oh, remember that day in the garden? You know the one, Adam, Eve, you know the story. They just decided to believe a lie because the enemy came and told them, hey, you can be like God. What they didn't realize is they already were. They're from him. They were, they, were dad, they were just like dad. They didn't know it. And the enemy lied to him. What happens? Sin comes in the world. It separates. And this was a declaration to our enemy. Hey, that rain that you tried to take that day is over. And, it, and yes, the cross was the finality of that. But this verse is the declaration of the end of Satan's reign on earth. Your enemy. The same one that's still now trying to kill, still, and destroy in your life. God has already made a declaration over him that your reign is over. 
That's why we have to see the, the Bible as living verses to us right now. See, it's alive because this is a verse for you right now, not them 2,000 years ago. It is a now verse that says, oh, by the way, I'm going to restore original intent. And as we've said a million times in here, because God wanted his kids back. And he wanted them back in fullness, too. I think sometimes we don't, we don't think like, oh, yeah, well, we're never going to be completely how we are until we get to heaven. You're a new creation. If you're a believer in Jesus right now, the full intent of God was for you to be a new creation and be in Him. So there were three things that were going on. But what's it look like, right? That's the real question for me. What's it look like for God to be with us? And so I'm just going to dive into some verses here. We'll see. I honestly felt like the Lord just kind of made me take a left turn this morning as I was getting ready. So um, here we go. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31.8. While you're turning, I'm going to tell you a little story. This is the first verse the Lord ever spoke to me as a child. What's cool is I didn't know it was a Bible verse. I heard this verse word for word. I can tell you right where I was standing. I don't know how old I was, but I know what the surroundings look like. And it says this in Deuteronomy 31.8. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I read this as the most simple verse I can tell you. What does it look like to God be with, for God to be with us? It actually answers so many questions though. The first one is it deals with the abandonment idea that God is going to leave us or forsake us. It deals with the lie of the enemy that your performance predicates the presence of God in your life. It deals with the lies of the enemy that even if God is with you, you can be afraid and discouraged. Listen, I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is the answer for fear and discouragement. It's the answer because when He is there, He removes those things off of us. And we have to recognize that when this declaration, in this invitation of God with us, He was saying, I am going after the heart of the matter is I want to be with you. And when I am with you, this is what it begins to produce in your life. See, some of you right now, you're learning how to experience the presence of the Lord. You love it when we come in and worship and, and you feel His tangible presence. And I'm going to tell you, that is, just, that is you learning how to carry Him. That is you learning how to be with Him. The corporate setting is just an, it's, it's, it's an invitation for you can have this all the time. You can be with Him all the time. And I remember as a kid, I used to be like, man, I, just, I wish my quiet time looked like our worship time. Anyone ever been there? And finally the Lord just showed me it's because you don't have any faith in your quiet time that I'm there. Because it was easier to look around and see other people experiencing God and be like, oh yeah, I can go get in. But the Lord has wanted to teach us what it looks like to be with Him. And at first, I believe it all hinges on the truth that He will not leave you nor forsake you. If you're His child, He's never going to abandon you. Not in your worst moment, not at your highest moment when you forget that you need Him. How many had some wins where you forget that it was all because of Him? 
And he, he is producing a truth in us that says, hey, I'm never leaving and forsaking you. The enemy declares one thing, God says, I'm here. I'm here. And we begin to recognize that. And so, it's really interesting that this verse is then again used. It's used two verses before. It says, I'll never leave you, forsake you. And then it's used here in 8. So 31.6, 31.8. And then Joshua. We know the story about Joshua, right? Moses, the greatest leader that had ever been on the face of the earth. The meekest man spoke face to face with God. That's some pretty big goals. And that's in the Old Covenant. Can I just say that? An inferior covenant to what we're living in now. But I, I can imagine, it's, it's like having to replace Michael Jordan on the Bulls. Any of you ever watch basketball? I know you all have TVs. Or, or you know, I won't mention any. I, I don't have any Cowboys to mention right now. We're so terrible. But, but when Michael Jordan retired from the Bulls, there wasn't a young Joshua that said, hey, now you're going to get to do everything he did. But that's what God was saying here. Hey, Moses has been an incredible leader. Hey, Joshua, you're going to do the same thing. Now I'm going to teach you the secret sauce of what made him so great. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. So where you used to feel like you snuck in the tent and got to experience my presence because you were with Moses, you're now going to understand, no, I want to be with my people. And I'm going to be with you. And where your foot treads, we will possess. Oh, and by the way, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Don't be discouraged or afraid. Why? What's God doing? He is building a truth in our lives that I believe this. And anytime the scripture says something three times, perk up. It also quotes this verse in Hebrews 13. So you ought to know that's the fourth time God's saying, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. It's interesting. Probably the first 10 or 20 times I ever heard the Lord, this is what he spoke to me. Why? Because I had incredible fear that his presence was predicated on my performance. How many of you ever had that? The rest of you, I just say, come on now, be truthful. God is destroying the lie with the statement, God with us. When he declared that, he was saying, no, I want to be with you. I want to be in your life. I want, I want, I'm choosing to come to be with my kids again. Oh, just like the cool of the day in the garden, here I come. So we recognize that. What am I talking about and what's it look like for God to be with us? It looks like His presence. I don't want to just even teach this in theory. Like, you got to know God's with you. I want you to know that God wants you to so know He's with you that you know that I'm in His presence. I'm with Him right now. It's that place of inclining your heart. All of a sudden you just feel overwhelmed or you feel afraid or you feel discouraged or you feel confused. Anybody ever felt those things? And there's that place of being able to incline your heart and all of a sudden He's there. Why? Because He wants to meet us in those places. He wants to come and show us, hey, I'm not a mountaintop God. I'm always with you. I'm always there. And I believe what it begins to build, it begins to build a foundation 
in our lives that there's nothing, no wind or wave or storm that can blow me over because my foundation is He's never going to leave me or forsake me. And I really believe that I'm supposed to just really stick here for a minute because I believe the Lord showed me this morning that an incredible lie that's going on in the hearts of you and the hearts of the universal church right now is that God is choosing to decide when He wants to be with us and not with us. And I want to tell you, He decided in Matthew 1.23. God with us. Here I come. Ready or not? Anyone ever play hide or seek? What did you say at the end when you got done counting? Ready or not? Here I come. And I feel like sometimes God's like, ready or not? Here I come. I feel like we've all had those moments, right? I wasn't ready! He's like, I know. I believe He's wanting to restore that in us right now. The very truth. It's the revelation that goes on in Ezekiel when, when he, you know, God was always declaring who He was as Jehovah, right? When He, when he wanted to declare them as, I'm, I'm the healer, like it's my nature. It was Jehovah Rapha, right? But it, there's a really interesting hidden right in the end of Ezekiel where it says, hey, I'm Jehovah Shema. I am present in your life. And he is revealing that truth that I am with you right now and I am with you when you don't feel me. I know our feelings sometimes are incorrect. So like, I don't feel God. Does that change the truth? He's with you. So then you actually have a tool in your tool belt right now when you do not feel God to say, wait a minute. Matthew one twenty three says that God is with us. Emmanuel. So I just call on Emmanuel right now. I call on you to come and, 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 and make my feelings and my emotions come into line. You're with me. There's a way to actually begin to feed your spirit and even your soul sometimes. Because your soul is sometimes warring against you. Have y'all found that to be true? Why? Because our soul is what picks up all the heaviness of the earth. And so we have to learn how to overcome that. And I'm giving you a giant baseball bat to that pinata of a lie that says God's not with me. Hit that thing over and over. Say, no, God is for me and He's with me. And, he, if, and I'm going about to show you what it looks like. So here we go. 19 minutes. Number two. Oh, wait. I just have to say this. I could say this in every point. But like Moses said... God, we're not going unless you go. Why? Because His presence, He says this, it's what distinguishes us from everybody else on earth. And I want to tell you that the very presence of the Lord, the invitation of God with us, is a distinguishing mark for you. It will distinguish how you, how you act. In situations, it will distinguish how you respond. It will distinguish how you believe in and receive things from God. Because you will be distinguished as one who is with God. Everyone who was with God walked at a higher level in the Scriptures. So we have to understand it will distinguish us. Okay, number two. The first one, 
What does it look like for God to be with us? The second one is, what does it do in us? And, and this is where I just, on Christmas Eve, I almost launched here, but I knew I couldn't do it in six minutes. But in, in Mark 3.14, I mean, God had a plan for the disciples. Yes? Everybody say yes. Just like God had a plan for, has a plan for you. And he had to teach them that being a disciple was not about doing stuff, but it was about being with the teacher. Disciple means learner or student. And, and it says this in Mark 3.14. It says this, He appointed the twelve, designating them apostles, or those who are about to be sent out. How could they be sent out? That they might be with him. And that he might... Pr- that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Listen, what is the key to being able to, to do the things that God has called us to do? It's to be with him. God with us is an invitation now to, hey, I, want, I have a whole bunch of purpose I want to put in your hands, but the purpose cannot be the pursuit. And I just want to tell you, in this generation of church that is seeing the revelation of God as powerful and signs and wonders and revelation, the pursuit must always be to be with Him. The overflow is the other stuff. And if we ever put the overflow in front of the source, it's going to get messy real quick in your life. And so God was saying, hey, here's how I've appointed you apostles to be with me. They got to hear things that no one else heard. Say, well, that sounds like selectivism or that's not PC. God wasn't including everyone. No, their purpose at that time was to be with Jesus. Now, here's your purpose. It's to be with Jesus. Everyone that he's called to be his children in sin, now I've called you all to be with me. Every one of you, I've made the declaration, God with us, He's with you, now you make the choice to be with me. You come in here and be with me. I'm looking for a people who have a radical yes. I'm looking for a people, you have been invited into the inner circle. And the other lie we've got to break off is that there's special people in the kingdom that only get to go in the inner circle. That is not how it is. Jesus was showing those in the inner circle are powerful. And I am inviting all of you. Timothy just said it's a big table. I got a big old table I'm inviting you all to as my family. Say, well, what do I get to be like John? Everyone gets to be like John. You get to lay your head on his breast and say, hey, who's going who's gonna to betray you? And God told him. What am I saying? There's a place of God with us that is such an invitation then to be with him. But I got good news for you. I want to read one more verse. You all probably know it, or if you've been around here enough, you've heard me preach on it. But you can't go to Mark 4.13 without going to Acts 4.13. It says this, it's about the Sanhedrin, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead, taught his disciples for 40 days, ascended to heaven, they healed a man at Gate Beautiful, says, and they call him in and they say, hey, what's going on? We thought we dealt with Jesus. That's really what this meeting is all about. We thought we killed Jesus. We thought we had made this all go away. And oh no, now they're just like Jesus. 
And everyone in the city knows they've healed somebody. Oh wait, just like Jesus. It says, in, and this is what the Sanhedrin says, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary, how many of you, that describes you before Jesus? All of you. Ordinary people. He said, I did some schooling. You're still ordinary. Before Jesus. And it says, and they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What was the invitation? The invitation is in Matthew 1.23, hey, I want to be with you. The second half of it that's implied is you're going to astonish people because I'm with you. People are going to be astonished at what I do in you and through you. And here's where it comes down to the See, what had gone on in those three years of being with Jesus is they had transformed from unschooled and ordinary to extraordinary and wise in the kingdom. That's what happened in that season of being with Jesus. They went to the most learned people on the planet and they astounded them by what was coming out of them. What was coming out of them? The kingdom. The kingdom of God was pouring out of them. They were saying, how are you talking with such authority? Because they had the kingdom of God on the inside of them. How do you know how to answer our questions? Because the kingdom of God was on the inside of them. The king was residing with them. See, if we're going to stand and astound people, we have to walk in the revelation. He's with me. Oh, and by the way, then I become his hands and feet. I become this, the rod of authority. I get to speak out dominion over Australia today, and it actually brings rain. See, if you don't believe that, then it just becomes some religious thing we're doing. And if you guys know me at all, if we're doing religious stuff and know Jesus, I'm out. I'm out. Because that's no fun. Yeah, it didn't work. That's the 80s. They're calling. I'm hard on the 80s. There was people that got saved in the 80s. I know that. And full of Jesus. But listen, what am I saying? They tried to teach into an encounter. They tried to make people perform. The church, and we can't live that way. That's why I'm hard on the 80s. I was also a kid in the 80s. How do you know that? That was no fun. So what am I saying? I'm saying that in this place, we have to be transformed. I'm going to say our mission statement. We are a transformed people equipped to transform our world. That all hinges on being with Him. You can't have transformation because you choose it. You can't have transformation by how much you learn or how much you read. You have transformation from being with Him. And when you see how you're supposed to be, why? Because you're looking in Him like a mirror. You're looking and all of a sudden He begins to work in you. And He begins to say, hey, you know that way you talked yesterday to your, to your wife or to your co-worker? That's not me. But God, that's just how, that's my personality. Cool. We're going to change that part of you. Or maybe that's just the way I saw. I just don't even know why I talk that way. I just talk that way. And God's saying, hey, come on. And he starts to put his Holy Ghost finger on it. Hey, how you used to act that way? I'm going to redeem that and show you the good in that. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how I draw people to you your whole life. And how you didn't know how to use it right. Now I'm going to transform you and show you that now 
you're like a magnet for people to come into the kingdom. Transformation is the result of being with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. And can I just encourage you, those of you that are new in the journey, enjoy all three persons of the Godhead. When I'm talking about Jesus, I want to tell you, I'm really talking about the Trinity though too. Enjoy the Father. Enjoy the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I go in and I'm just like, I'm just going to have experience with the Father today. Why? Because sometimes you need Dad's affirmation. Sometimes you just got to get in here and just start here say how much He loves you, how proud He is of you. Sometimes you need Jesus to be your, your, your big brother and be like, hey, stop it. Or as my brother would say, I'm about to knock you out. <laughs> sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to come in and to- go and take and teach you the deep things of God, to search out God. You want to know where that's at? That's in 1 Corinthians 2. It says, hey, Spirit knows the deep things of God. He wants to show you. That causes transformation in your life. Transformation is not, it's not an idea. It is an experience with Him. Third thing. Here we go. So, what does being with us look like? What does it do in us? And the third thing is, what does it create? It creates something in you. Not just transformation. It creates an authority. And it, cre- it creates a new, a new life. It cre- it's the new creation that begins to go on. When God is with you, all of a sudden, it begins to create a new understanding, a new thinking. How many think different than you did when you first got saved? Why? Because it was creating something in you to be with Him. All of a sudden, where I used to think I was, I was miserable and, and lost and a failure, all of a sudden now I'm more than a conqueror in Him. I used to think I'm alone and now I realize, whoa, He's never going to leave me or forsake me. I've always got Him. See, we're thinking differently. There's invitations in this to create something new. I want to tell you that in this 2020 season is about to be creation on the inside of a lot of us. New creation, where all of a sudden you begin to experience things and He begins to show you things and you begin to act and think differently. And so I'm just going to read you a couple verses I ran into that just inspired me in this idea that, that if we think differently, we'll, under, we'll, we'll have new results. And I'm just going to read you a verse. It's out of Second Chronicles and it's 32, and I don't have time to lay the groundwork, but it's Hezekiah. And I'm going to read 7 and 8, Deb. It says, this is Hezekiah talking to the people, because the king of Assyria is outside their gates, declaring all kinds of things that weren't going to happen. I know that's what the enemy declares. A whole bunch of things that aren't allowed to happen, if we, if we understand our right. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. It says, with him is only the arm of the flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. How many know that's a new understanding that begins to realize when God is with us? Where we've been taught that, oh man, you're fighting your own battles, but you're just hanging in there. It's hard. It's tough. No, I want to tell you that there is a power that is greater than in the arm of the flesh. 
And I love what it says at the end of the verse. Is it up there? And it says, And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah the king of Judah said. What was he saying? He was creating with his words. He was creating, hey, here's the truth. There's a vast army outside of our gates. But the truth is, we have more power on the inside than they have out there. The truth is, God is promised, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the truth is, the battle belongs to the Lord. Those are all the truths that all of a sudden Hezekiah begins to mine. How did he know that? Because he had a history with God. And he stood up to a people who were dismayed and afraid, and he said, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. I've got a new line of thinking to hand you today. See, that's what happens when God is with us. We all of a sudden begin to see from heaven's perspective. I love Hezekiah. What was he expecting? He didn't know, but he knew God's going to show up. Oh, and by the way, an angel of the Lord comes. Kills them all. They didn't even leave the, t- the city. God just shows up and kills them all. Why? Because I believe there was a belief that attached to the change of thinking that, hey, God is more powerful than the king of Assyria. And it began to change something on the inside of them. Let me just read you another one that happens when God is with us. Y'all, y'all got four more minutes in you? You can do it. You're not that hungry. In Isaiah 8, there's a passage about what's going on because God's not there. And then Isaiah just cries out, Oh, Emmanuel. What was he saying? Oh, God, be with us. Right? Oh, Emmanuel. And then this is what he prophesies in verse 9 of Isaiah 8. It says, Raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant people. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Purpose your plan, but it will not stand. For God is with us. What's going on? All of a sudden, Isaiah is having a recognition as he cries out, O Emmanuel, that all of a sudden, all the plans of the enemy, everything that the enemy has set up in your life to try to tear you down, kill, steal, and destroy, all of a sudden he realizes these are nothing to the truth of God with us. These are nothing. So go ahead and prepare, enemy. Go ahead and waste your time. Do what you're doing. Because in the end of the day, none of it will succeed against us. None of it will succeed against me and my king. Because God is with us. What am I showing you? That God with us is not just some simple little thing about Jesus in a manger. It is about a king. It is about a war that that God has already won. And he's saying, I now have destroyed the plans of the enemy. I want to show you it's under your feet. I want to show you the schemes of the enemy. It's interesting that Paul says, be aware of the schemes of the enemy. He says, don't be afraid of them. He says, just be aware of them. Why? Because if you're aware of them, you know the truth to attack them with. You know where, they, that, where the enemy belongs. And as you recognize what the enemy is trying to do in your life, you all of a sudden say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, Emmanuel. God with us. Or let me make it real personal. God with me. This shall not stand. 
Last one. This one's pretty obscure, okay? But it just, it leaped off the page at me the other day when I was getting ready for interesting. I didn't look it up in this verse. The Lord spoke this verse to me in 424.16. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. This is Zechariah 8.23. In those days, ten men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew, or this is an illustration of those who know the Lord, by the helm of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. We have heard that God is with you. There is a place that God is establishing that what is going on in the inside of you is going to be so attractive that people are going to come and say, I don't know where you're going, but I'm going with you. I don't know what's going on on the inside of you, but I would like that to go on in the inside of me. I don't know what has happened. I don't even know the God you're talking about. But I choose to make Him my God and your people will be my people. I choose to take hold of your robe and just say, where you're going, I'm going. I'm not letting go. Why? Why is that happening? Because God was with them. And I just want to, I want to I draw a quick line to the truth that Jesus said in John 8, said, I'm the light of the world, right? But in Matthew 5, I think it's 14, he says, oh, by the way, you're the light of the world. Why is that happening? Because you're with me. And those that have partaken of the light all of a sudden become the light. And we have to recognize in this place of invitation and declaration what is going to happen on the inside of you as you're with God is all of a sudden people are going to be drawn to you. Now what we do with that will be very important. You'll either think, yeah, I am so gifted. And people just love my gift. I'm, I've got a big personality and people are just drawn to it. Or I'm very evangelistic. People just love being around me. Or you realize, man, this is because I've been with God. And that humility will allow people to not just be drawn to you, but to enter into the kingdom. There, I believe this, that the, the key to revival is people holding on to your coat and saying, I'm going where you're going. Revival will never come from this pulpit as much as I would love to try it. But revival is going to come when all of you know that God is with you. And you walk with such a light on the inside of you because you have responded to the invitation of, of Matthew one twenty three, God with us, Emmanuel, that there are people that are like, I'm with you. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, I get him too. And then he's with them. And then there's another ten people waiting to hold on to their coat and say, I'm ready to go where you go. And your God will be my God. That's what revival is. It's about a people who just start handing away God with us. God with us. God with you. God with me. God with you. Big time with you. Everybody agree with that? You bet. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. Come on. It's so interesting that Elizabeth started This Is How We Fight Our Battles this morning. 
And the Lord's in there just telling me, about, like, this, you're going to only win battles when you understand I'm with you. But I just, I feel like the Lord is so wanting right now to remove any distance between you and Him. Any lie, anything that would stand between you and Him and say, hey, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Maybe you had the worst morning ever. Killed someone on the way to church. I say that because I can't think of anything worse, right? But you came in here and you got right with the Lord. I'm going to tell you, there's no separation. What am I saying? There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate you from Emmanuel. I'm going to ask you all just to put your hands out. Because I believe there's some in here today that just need a fresh reminder. God's with me. Some of you, for the first time, are going to have the truth that it's not just God in this room, but it's God walking out of here with you. So Holy Spirit, God with us, come begin to just flow in these chairs right now. Begin to share the truth that you'll never leave nor forsake them. Some of you may be just bellowing with fear and discouragement. The answer to it is Emmanuel. God's with us. There's more power with us than against us. I just feel like the Father is wanting me to tell you right now, this is all about His love. The access to God with us is love. His love. See, I don't know how to just, I don't know how to be with Him all the time. Just know you're loved and just push right into His love. Tomorrow, Man, I want to be with God like I was yesterday. Just push right into His love. Just push right in and say, what's that mean? Just where you know He's loving you and all of a sudden you begin to love back on Him. It's All of a sudden it's an exchange that begins to happen, God, with us. It's a very practical truth that God's wanting to hand you right now. So we just, we thank you, Lord, for the invitation the declaration, the announcement that you're with us. We thank you for your children in this room today that are walking out of here with more truth on the inside of them that you're with us. And if you're for us, who can be against us? And I just want to end this way. If there's anyone in here, they say, I'm not sure God's with me. You've never once received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He removed all separation between you and the Father. And if you'll just come, if there's anyone in here that's saying, man, I, I want to do that today. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. If there's anyone in here that has never experienced Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you would love to come and just say, man, I want to be with God like you were talking about today. If there's anyone in here, what that tells me is we've got a room full of God's kids. So I encourage you this week, Go be with Emmanuel. Go experience him. Go love him. Let him love on you. Let him speak to you. Let him transform you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think we have the tables out back if you'd like to understand anything just about some of the more ministries of the church. 
and, and, and just enjoy yourself. Enjoy. Hey, just spend some time with one another. If you would like prayer, we're going to have teams up front that are just going to be here to pray with you. I think we've got more than just two, right, today? So if you're on a team, make your way up front. So we just bless you guys in Jesus' name. Amen.